an ancient spell is deciphered. Is Post Malone haunting my bedroom? And then we take a look at a man who claims he was abducted by aliens. They didn't do experiments on him. Well, they did, actually. But that wasn't all they did. These aliens preached to him and showed him proof of God. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. You heard the introduction. We got a ton of stuff to cover. First off, I want to give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Jason F. Jason, thank you so much for supporting the show. Really, really helps out a lot. You're going to be our captain, our pilot, whatever vehicle we're taking this episode. You will be in charge. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help get the word out about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Before we go anywhere... I want to revisit yesterday's episode and talk about how just amazing you guys are as an audience. Yesterday I had an episode about the djinn, and I talked about a spell where you could summon a djinn. And I said I tried running it, supposedly it was written in Arabic and a djinn dialect is how it was described. I tried running it through an online translator, nothing popped up. So I did not read the spell because I didn't know what was in it, whether or not it worked. And one of you, one of you guys... The awesome, no, you are mistaken on YouTube, was able to translate the spell. They speak Arabic, and they sent this over to me. So I'm going to read it to you now that I know. Now, there are certain words that he couldn't translate, but I'll just say blank for those words. But let's go. Let's read the spell, because now I know that it won't blow me up, I don't think. Here's the spell. Blank, who tower over all evidence, I vow unto you, O blank. Blank, that you give me all and do what I need, blank. God bless you, for he is a section, if you know, is great. That's the spell. And no, you are mistaken, went on to say that they're not a scholar of the Quran, but from what they can remember, the word evidence means all living creatures. So that first line would be blank who tower over all living creatures. So I'm going to link the article that I had in yesterday's show notes in this one as well, so you can look at the name that I'm leaving out. Again, your mileage may vary. This spell may actually work. You summon a djinn, but you have to say it a thousand times, and I would imagine you have to say it in the original Arabic with that word in there. So, you know, I'm not not saying that you should summon a djinn. I'm I'm actually, I'm definitely saying you should not summon a djinn, but it is interesting to have that information out there. And maybe you have like a djinn fetish. Maybe you grew up on I Dream a Genie. Maybe you're 80 years old. Or maybe you don't have to have a fetish to practice the magical arts. Maybe you just want to have a wish fulfilled, which is probably probably more people. They're like, Jason, why do you think of genie equals fetish from a television show that came out in the 60s? I don't know. I wouldn't summon a djinn. I wouldn't summon a genie. I really wouldn't summon anything. But our next story. Oh, did you like that segue? Jason F. Let's fire up that dead rabbit dirigible. And then walk back to my place, because we're not going to use it just yet. Lots of teases, lots of fast stuff this episode. Yesterday I talked about, I think my apartment's haunted by Post Malone. What I generally do is I wake up and I spend two hours a day in the morning finding stories to talk to you guys about. That's really where I'm really just going for stories, and then later on I'll do deeper reads into them and things like that. I listen to music the whole time, and recently I've been on a Post Malone binge. What I noticed yesterday was, when the radio was off... And my apartment was quiet, little asterisks there. I could still hear Post Malone music. To be specific, it was Post Malone-esque music. He has a very interesting style. 
it has the energy of a hip-hop song with the singing of a lullaby. It's very, very... It's almost trance-inducing music. It's very, very interesting. I do enjoy Post Malone's work. So when the radio wasn't playing, and I could still hear a Post Malone-esque song, I could hear the music, and I could hear the words. I couldn't make out the words, but I could hear them. I could hear someone was saying something. I immediately go, okay, great. (laughs) I've finally gone insane. I check my phone to make sure it's not playing. I check my laptop to make sure there's nothing in the tabs. I actually grab my radio that I use to Bluetooth it to, and I'm holding it to my ear. I can hear the music. I don't know where it's coming from. So I had to do some research before I went to the emergency room. When I said it was quiet with an asterisk, there was another thing going on. I have an air conditioner in my bedroom, because that's the closest outlet I could find. Then I have three fans that triangulate the air out of my bedroom and onto my body. There's a thing called audio pareidolia. And it's the same thing, you know, when you look up at the sky and you can see a cat floating around. It's not a real cat. It'd be awesome if it was. Everyone would be a cat owner. Or maybe not. Maybe it'd be like, no, come home. They're all floating away. Our brain is a pattern recognition machine. So if there is white noise, our brain can perceive music. Because I had trained my brain over the past couple days just listening to nothing but Post Malone. When it was off... And I was just researching and I had the fans going on. The fans were making the music because I was just hearing. But I could, I full on heard. And the songs would change after about four minutes. It would be a different song, different quote-unquote lyrics. Like, I couldn't tell you what it was saying, but I could... You know how when you hear someone playing their music really loud, but they're three houses down? That's what it sounded like. I couldn't make out the words, but I could tell it was a song. Apparently, this is incredibly common, and... Some people are have been going, because I was like, I'm losing my mind, dude. I was like, what is going on? I only heard it out of my right ear, because that's where I, my music's on the right side. I was like, have I damaged my hearing? Am I going insane? Did I summon a gin? And they're stuck in my ear. What is going on? Apparently, this is so common, and some people have it for years. And uh, this one guy was saying that when he was in World War II, he was on like a plane. He was on a transport plane. And he noticed that on these long flights... When the engine was just, and the wind against the the metal of the plane, and German gunfire, he said he could hear the sounds of male choirs or classical music. Some people say they can actually, not only can they pick the genre, they can actually pick what the next song is going to be. They can go, I want something a little more upbeat. And they've trained their brains to be able to have their internal jukebox. It's a very, very interesting story because... A lot of times pareidolia gets brought up when people see, like, demons in the smoke from the World Trade Center being collapsed. I didn't know it could be this advanced. I didn't know it could be this advanced. Where I could actually hear different songs play the length of what a song normally is, and then would switch to another song. I went to bed, and when I woke up, it was gone, thankfully. But if it pops back up, you know, I'll, I'll try that trick. I'll try to pick a different song or be like, I wonder what Britney Spears is putting out today and then get some Britney Spears song. I don't know. 
I didn't know it could be that advanced. I know that if you look out and you see a dark shape in the middle of the forest, you may go, oh, that's Bigfoot. Oh, wait, no, that's just a shrub. Or you're in your bedroom and you wake up and you go, oh, no, someone's in my bedroom. And then you realize, oh, no, someone is in your bedroom. Run, run. But on the off chance, it's not tonight and there's not really a burglar in your bedroom. Usually it's just a hat stand because you live in the 1940s and you threw your trench coat over the top of it. If it can be this advanced where I can hear lyrics and music, could that account for, like, moving ghosts? Could that account for shadow men? Could that account for UFOs and the absence of other stimuli or white noise stimuli? A heightened sense or a sense of relaxation? Could it explain all sorts of paranormal events? Hmm, that's very interesting because I've always heard of pareidolia, but I did not know it could be that advanced. It would be an easy skeptical argument to go, oh, that's that's just that, that's just that. And a lot of times say it's a trick of the light, a trick of your mind or something like that, but I, I always didn't know how advanced it could be. It's called audio pareidolia, and there'll be show notes if you guys have ever suffered from it or enjoyed it. You could be snapping your fingers to a jaunty tune right now, but it was it was not enjoyable because I didn't know what it was. Jason F., let's fire up that Carpenter Copter. I don't care if I have enough time to talk about it. We're talking about it today. I think I do, though. We are headed out to Kensington, New Hampshire. (laughs) Helicopters flying low. We're going back in time. We're going back into the time of 1965. It's September 3rd, 1965. On Monday's show, I talked about a television show called UFO Cover-Up Live. It was broadcast on Fox, the Fox Network. And it was hosted by Mike Farrell. He was the one of the stars from MASH. It was, in, it was in 1988, and it featured two intelligence officers who their names were not revealed at the time, Falcon and Condor. Now, one of the things that Falcon was talking about in that show was a bizarre claim, and this was really what the episode was about Monday, was that aliens, they love music, but the, the music they love most is Tibetan music. They love strawberry ice cream, and they believe in a supreme being. Now, on Monday's episode, I only talked about the strawberry ice cream connection. But remember those, if you didn't listen to the episode, I'm doing that little overview because all three of those things will play a part in this man's story. And I also want to say this too. This is from an article written in weakandweird.com. It was written by a man named Adam Moore. The article was My Dad, the Alien Abductee, a story about the army, ice cream, and the truth about extraterrestrials. September 3rd, 1965. We're in Kensington, New Hampshire. There was a group of UFO sightings. It was known as the Exeter Incident. It was just people looking up, seeing bright lights in the sky. Which, I mean, is fantastic, but we want a little bit more for this podcast. But I'm mentioning that for context. Because four days later, and 20 miles away, on September 7, 1965, we're going to meet a man named Carl Moore. He's working at the Peace Air Force Base. He was an airman, second class. His job was to guard boxes, big crates. It was his job to just stand there and make sure nobody messed with the crates. Not the greatest job, not the funnest job. Actually, it would be kind of kind of fun, really, because you could just, nowadays you could sit and just scroll on your phone, listen to Post Malone. But back then, I don't know if the military lets you do that. You're supposed to be doing guard duty. You're like playing bejeweled. Carl Moore said he never asked what was in the boxes. He did his duty. Like, you want me to guard a box? I'll guard a box. It's super boring, but I was not curious about what was in the boxes. They wanted me there. I'm there. But on September 7th, he's working at the base, and he sees a craft in the distance. 
1965, you don't have cameras. I mean, cameras existed, but you weren't really carrying them around. You definitely weren't carrying them around at an Air Force base. Hey, what are you doing with that, Carl? Uh, I figured since I didn't ask what was in the boxes, I was allowed to take pictures of other stuff. No, you numbskull. But he doesn't have a camera with him. He does the next best thing. He pulls out a piece of paper, starts drawing a picture of what he's seen. But before he can actually finish his drawing... The ship is overhead. It's right above him. And he said it was so big and so close, he couldn't even see the sky. And at that point, he yells out, Holy mackerel! It's an actual quote. Holy mackerel! And the UFO is just floating above him, and the UFO goes, Holy mackerel! He's like, what? It's kind of weird. Oh, actually, that's not that's not the that's not the weird part. The UFO appearing and being massive and all that stuff, it repeating what he said was probably the least weird thing that's going to happen. He starts to run. So he's at like an Air Force base. So he starts to run. And it's all flat and stuff. So like planes can land. He's running and he said, no matter where I ran, the UFO was able to stay completely above me the whole time. And as he's yelling at it. It's repeating what he's saying back. Now, it's old-timey. If he's saying holy mackerel, he's probably like, well, son of a gun, kiss my knee call me Margaret. Just all sorts of, like, old-timey things. And this UFO is blaring these old things back at him. Bees knees. And then eventually he stops and he goes, if you can copy that, try copying this. I would have loved it if he started breakdancing and then the UFO had to, like, battle dance him, but no. He goes, if you can copy that, Try copying this, and he pulls out a card, like he had a card in his pocket, and he was holding it up. And then the UFO, a door opened up, and a bunch of gray aliens came out and (laughs) proceeded to hit him with a rod in the back of the neck to paralyze him, and then they dragged him on the ship. So, (laughs) don't do that. If you ever see an alien, don't ever pull out a card, because apparently they will take that as, oh, this guy wants to get beat up. This guy wants to be paralyzed and kidnapped. That's how they copy that, apparently. Try shaking hands with him. Maybe give him a little, you know, like a little wink. A little wink to him. But do not pull out a business card. They drag him on the ship. He gets on the... The story is very, very weird, okay? And we're just getting started because he gets on the ship and his commanding officer is already on this alien craft. And the, the commanding officer goes... Sorry, sorry about this, but this is actually quite routine. These aliens, as he's getting strapped down, the commanding officer is trying to calm him down. He's like, you pulled out a business card, didn't you? Yeah, rookie mistake. This is actually pretty routine. The U.S. government works with these aliens. They're just going to run a couple of tests on you. Don't struggle. It's not going to be a big thing. Carl's sitting there, or laying there at this point, and he looks around and he takes in standard alien stuff. He sees there's gray aliens. He identifies two different types. There's larger ones, and they seem to be in control. And then there's smaller ones that just are kind of working, doing stuff. Paralyzing people? That's the fun job, really. You can either be the leader, or you can walk out and hit humans with a stun gun. What do you want to do? He said that the big alien was talking to him, and was just kind of trying to project images into his head, and he goes, I felt like I could dismiss them away like i could wave them away like i was actually seeing their true nature so it's possible that they were trying to create either false memories or a time skip erase everything that's going on it's also possible that his commanding officer may not have been on the ship at all that could have been the large alien at first 
projecting himself as a commanding officer because it's someone who is so dedicated to the service that they won't even ask what's in the box. What's in the box? They won't ask that. It's, it's just crates of Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Just crates as far as the eye can see, Gwyneth Paltrow's head. That's possible. But then he goes, I kept feeling like the lead alien was trying to put images in my head and I was able to push them away. Now, he was abducted several times, though. This wasn't the only time he was abducted. And they were doing testing on him and things like that. The commanding officer's like, oh, I got to get to work, honey. Yeah, Carl's about to get abducted again. I got to give him the speech. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Just another day working for the U.S. military. Commanding officer's just smoking cigarettes all day long in the back of the ship. He's like, actually, it's a pretty cozy job. I wish I was able to stun people in the back of the head. Through the testing, they revealed to Carl he has a behavior disorder. Now, the left side and the right side of his brain weren't communicating well. No, no spoilers for those of you who know what that means. I'm saving that to the end. He remembers telling the, his son, because he t- tells his whole story to his son. He remembers telling his son, the gray aliens did not want to be touched. They would refuse to be touched. We've had other stories where people have touched a- gray aliens. Sometimes it feels reptilian. Sometimes it feels like plastic. Sometimes it feels like fleshy. But he said they refused to let me touch him. And the son asked him what he thought that meant. And here was an interesting quote from Carl. Quote, we could just all of a sudden go effing nuts on them and kill them. They're just the same as we are. I mean, flesh and bone. You know what I mean? If I was them, I'd be afraid of us. I'd be scared to death of us. Unquote. He had spent so much time with these aliens that he saw them as biological beings. Some people think that they're demons. Some people think that they have some sort of ethereal quality to them. But really, if they're aliens, they would basically be organic material. Organic material can be pulverized with a baseball bat. He says on his adventures, he actually meets a greenish-gray alien. We've come across those as well. Gray alien is more of a body type. They're usually gray, but we'll see different variations of that from green to greenish gray to light gray as well she's a woman she's a woman alien he gets the idea that it's a woman for a couple reasons one she says she's female two the eyes were shaped differently he said normally the gray aliens had these teardrop shaped eyes tell me if this makes any sense to you okay maybe i'm wrong on this but he said the male aliens had teardrop shaped eyes and then the female aliens had almond-shaped eyes. What's the what's the difference between that? Isn't an almond basically a teardrop-shaped nut? But anyways, apparently it's a difference. And he says that the the female alien had straight, bright red pubic hair. I just imagine like one of those boar bristle brushes in the most uncomfortable place you can have one of those. That's weird, right? Like, I guess, like, you see a bunch of gray aliens walking around and you get used to that, but then one of them just happens to have a bunch of pubic hair. Sharp, bristly pubic hair. I guess I'm adding in sharp and bristly, but it stands straight out. Like, I don't think it would be super comfortable to touch. But anyways, this green-gray alien actually develops a, not really, like, a sexual relationship with this dude, but he really likes her. Yeah, he speaks very fondly of her. He tells his son, I wish he could have met her. He would have liked her. He thinks back fondly to this female alien. And there was a time on his adventure, she said her arms didn't work that well. So he was asked to feed her a strawberry push pop. Remember those delicious, oh, they're so good. Those delicious, they have like the cardboard tube and then you push the popsicle up. 
eat them up. Back in 1965, those were brand new. That was the height of technology. So he would feed this alien a push pop, a strawberry ice cream push pop. That's the first callback to Monday's episode. He goes, there was also, at a certain point, a Nordic was on board, which are the tall, blonde hair, blue-eyed alien species. He got to know this guy pretty well. And at one, and on one of his many abductions, because this was happening over a period of time, he walks into a room and he said there were countless alien species in there. He goes, about 25% of them were Nordics, but I saw all sorts of different species. And he goes, it kind of struck him because they were just all seemed to get along. All these different species of aliens are just kind of just chilling in this UFO. Everyone was hanging out. They have one thing to bring them together. They all love to paralyze humans in the back of the neck with a stick. But they also had another thing to bring them together. More important thing to bring them together. He would ask them questions. He would ask the aliens questions and they got used to him. It seems like because he had this behavior disorder that they just go, ah, we'll still run tests on this guy, but it doesn't seem like we can erase his memory and things like that. He'd have these long discourses with the aliens. He says, but one question he asked in particular changed everything. At one point, he's in the room with the aliens, and he goes, what's the smallest particle in the whole universe? You guys are scientists. You guys have figured everything out. What's the smallest particle? And he said, the, the room came abuzz with excitement. Let me read you this quote here. Quote, it was a question that he noticed and got an immediately different response than anything he'd asked previously. That response was an eagerness to share, not unlike that of a religious person's desire to respond to questions about their faith. The aliens, all of them, had a religion of sorts because they believed that the smallest particle was a living organism. And since it made up the whole of the universe, the universe itself was alive, unquote. So that is very interesting because, again, in Falcon's testimony, when he was on this show, he talked about the strawberry ice cream. He talked about they believed in a supreme being. And here we have this man, Carl Moore, in 1965, being abducted. And it is the being. It's the only being. It's the universe itself. And we are the universe. The space between the stars is the universe. All time, all space, all energy contains the smallest particle that binds us all. It doesn't separate us. That would be amazing, actually, if you think about it, because you could have a reptilian, and you could have a Nordic, you could have a gray, and you could have a conformer. You could have all these different alien species, right? They may have different political agendas. They may have different social agendas. But if they all believed in the end, they were connected, not separated, but connected together. You could have disagreements, but if you all believe in the same connectedness, generally you would have peace. A very, very interesting way to look at the universe. And I think that would explain why these aliens can get along for the most part. It doesn't mean that greys and reptilians are always going to see eye to eye. But at the end of the day, they go, hey, we are, we are all made up of that particle, right? It's all ribbon, <laughs> ribbon of the greys breaking his bones. Ah, I'm brittle. The reptilian's like, yeah, I know. But still, it's the thought that counts, right? As he's just a pile of goo. We're all made up of the same particle. And Falcon talked about how the aliens acknowledge the supreme being. The aliens went on to tell Carl, we want to show you the smallest particle, but it's not something that we can really show under a microscope. 
but it's not something that you just have to believe in. It's a little more scientific than that. It's something you have to be in the right state of mind to see. You have to be at the right vibrational level. So it's not just that aliens are going, yeah, we figure it's there, so we believe. They've actually observed it, but for Carl, for humans to observe it, we have to be in the right state of mind. Let me continue with this quote here. Quote, What followed next was an introduction to a bizarre ritual that included his viewing of other particles and his giving an emotional response to them. I liken this to the Tibetan monk's ability to recognize all the facets of themselves. Their anger, greed, jealousy, love, happiness, hatred, and so on. Recognizing and accepting them until that moment when you basically invite the particle to show itself. Once it did, my father says that the moment made him feel complete. An understanding of everything. Something I believe he struggles with to this day. Unquote. Now we have the Tibetan angle as well. Falcon said on that program in 1988, they like Tibetan music most of all. They like strawberry ice cream and they believe in a supreme being. And all three of those things are in Carl Moore's story. What does that mean? We'll get to that in the end, but let's continue to go on here. Carl Moore does not tell anyone about these encounters. He's basically going to work and getting abducted. Oh, man, I had such a long day in the office today. How was it, honey? Oh, it was fine. It was just guarding a box. He's rubbing the back of his neck. Oh, man, can't they just let me walk on the ship at this point? He does his duty in the military, retires, and then it's not until 1985, it's not until 20 years after all this happens, that he feels, I took an oath to keep my mouth shut, but 20 years have passed, right? <laughs> Isn't there a statute of limitations to oaths? So in 1985, he starts telling close friends of his, you know, back in 1965, remember how I had that fear of being paralyzed? They're like, yeah, that wasn't weird. He goes, oh, here's why. I got abducted. And the friends don't really believe him. At best, they just kind of go, ah, oh, you're just joking with me. At worst, they laughed in his face. Now, his son, Adam Moore, said that he was told these stories as well. He didn't really know how to take them. He was actually really young. He was like in the second grade, first or second grade. His dad starts telling him these stories. It's not a bedtime story you want to hear. Once upon a time, there was a man. It was your father, and he was paralyzed by a bunch of aliens. What? No, I don't, no, don't want to go to sleep. The son, even as a kid, is like, oh, that just doesn't sound right. What? What? Doesn't make any sense. Push pops? I mean, push pops are dope and all, but a strawberry one, Dad? You're lying. Strawberry ice cream's gross. In 1988, Adam Moore is in third grade, and his dad, Carl Moore, are watching a program called UFO Cover-Up Live. And when they're watching the show, they start hearing references about aliens and a supreme being, Tibetan music, and strawberry ice cream. And Adam says, when I heard the one guy talk about strawberry ice cream, I looked at my dad and I thought, he's telling the truth. Because out of every possible type of food, for it to even be ice cream, and then for it to be specifically strawberry ice cream, he thought, how could my dad have made up the story. And he goes, my dad had not contacted the show. He goes, I know my dad. My dad wasn't Falcon. I know that. He wasn't on television. He didn't have the ability to create a doppelganger. He didn't contact the show. So how could he have made up a story for years talking about aliens and strawberry ice cream and then watching this television program and somebody else making that connection? 
So that was when Adam Moore actually believed his father had multiple experiences with aliens and believed his stories. The story has an interesting part. Adam included it halfway through his article. And I'm saving it to the end. Because I want to really let you digest it. When Carl Moore was being tested by the aliens, they said he had a behavior disorder that the left side of his brain and the right side of the brain couldn't communicate as well. He didn't know what they were talking about. Later on in life, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. I know that may discount everything we talked about before. And Adam said in this article, okay, now guys, even though that may make you disregard everything, I think I have evidence at the ending that will show you that it was true, and that was the evidence about the program and strawberry ice cream and things like that. The reason why I'm saving it to the end, because I really want to digest and kind of go over it. We can say Carl Moore's experiences were all just based on some sort of delusion. Maybe he was reading weird science comic books at the time and was having delusions at the time, seeing these things. It's possible that he recreated these stories in his head. He never experienced anything. It was a long dull days guarding boxes. In 1980, let's say he had a breakdown. I don't know, but in 1980, something sparks and it creates the memories. None of that stuff ever happened. He wasn't even delusional. He wasn't even having memories of the delusion. Those are definitely possible. The stories on UFO cover-up live, stories Falcon was telling, Falcon ended up being outed as a disinformation agent. He actually outed himself and said, I used to work for the Air Force, which is the same branch Carl worked for. I used to work for the Air Force. Now I'm speaking the truth. Now I'm out talking, telling you real stuff. But back in the day, I used to make up stories to make you guys look bad. Even today, he goes, yeah, I made up stuff, but the strawberry ice cream thing is real. That part is real. It's possible. This is what's so weird about this. Because, again, you have this guy telling these stories way before the program. Even now, the strawberry ice cream thing is totally uh, obscure. You have the connections to aliens like in Tibetan music and then following a very Tibetan path of opening yourself up layer by layer and the acknowledgement of a supreme being that connects all of us. It's possible that as Falcon was compiling stories and dissecting them and figuring out, I can leave a little bit of this truth in, but the rest of it's going to be phony. And he's spreading all these lies and taking in all of these truths and turning them into half-truths and things like that as he's working in the Air Force and doing this thing. It comes across his desk, the story of Carl Moore. And he's looking at this, and he's laughing at this because it's so ridiculous. And he goes, I don't even have to add anything to this. I could just release this in full People would think it was disinformation. It's possible that he knew Carl's experiences were true. He takes that file, keeps it in his mind, destroys all evidence of it, and plots another fabulous tale to release to the media. It's interesting to think that a man who is so jaded that he knows something is true, he knows the people who are coming forward talking about UFOs are speaking the truth, he's so callous and jaded he makes them look like liars and releases fake information to deceive a nation, to deceive the world. That was his job. Think about how jaded you have to be to do that. And something touched that jaded man's heart. Something stuck with him for so long that out of all of the stuff that he heard was true and the mountains of BS he used to cover it up, a story of universal brotherhood of strawberry ice cream stuck with him that whole time. 
To me, that makes me think even more that it's true. Just because a man has schizophrenia doesn't necessarily mean that everything he says will be false. It could be the reason why he remembers the story. This story touched Falcon's heart so much that it stuck with him over the years, over the decades. So when he has the chance to tell it live on television, he, in a few sentences, summarizes Carl Moore's story. It shows that there is an alien universal brotherhood. The reason why our species isn't part of it is because we can't see that particle yet. The aliens know that even if they came down in the ships, until humanity was able to look within themselves and then look at each individual piece of the universe, how it relates to ourselves, how it relates to each other, how it relates to the whole and to the nothing. All the disclosure, all the alien ships, all the flashy ray guns wouldn't mean anything. Humanity is always on the verge of separating. We're always on the verge of pushing the other away. Would you want to have first contact with a group of people like that? Would you want to announce your existence to a group of people who can't look at the smallest particle because they can barely look at themselves in the mirror? Think about it. Humans are so far behind alien evolution, not just technologically, but spiritually. If this story is true, we're not even close. Humanity is basically the universe's equivalent of your loser sister-in-law at this point. Everyone else has gotten their act together but us. We're still trying to figure things out. We're still trying to find our vision. And the rest of the, the rest of the universal family is, they're trying to be nice to us, but behind closed doors, they're just kind of shaking their heads and being like, get it together. You're four billion years old. It's time to grow up. That's the reason why aliens don't make first contact. It's the same reason why you don't call your friend who's always bumming money off of you. Who wants to make first contact with someone who doesn't have their life together, especially at the age of four billion? Aliens know that first contact isn't just them coming down and us shaking hands and exchanging business cards. Hey, hey, while you're here, you think you can cure some diseases? Hey, while you're here, do you think you can give us some of that warp drive technology? And you know we will do that. Aliens will not make first contact until they believe humans can actually have a worthwhile conversation with them. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.